You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Destiny Show Podcast, part of the Robots Radio Network, live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Robots Radio presents... Hello Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show Podcast. We're on episode 19, and on today's episode, we welcome Jopa. Uh, he is a Destiny streamer, writer for Planet Destiny, and Army veteran. We'll discuss the upcoming nerfs that were recently announced in last week's Bungie Weekly Update. We're going to reflect on the year in Destiny with the annual pass and we will dive into the latest news about the upcoming season of opulence we will talk more about the upcoming raid that we will be playing on june 4th and we're going to talk about some more changes that are coming to destiny that you will not want to miss and as a reminder if you like the destiny show podcast you can find our podcast on all of your favorite podcasting apps we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and all of the favorite podcasting apps that you love to use. You can also find us on the web at www.destinyshow.com. And you can also check us out on Twitter at The Destiny Show for all of the latest show updates. So... On today's episode, I want to welcome first up my co-host Shadow Price. How's your week going? It is going fantastic. Now uh, we're getting tons of info explosion from Bungie right now. Like they are blessing our our Twitter feeds and everything with a new update that's just dropped. Some really cool stuff in there and everything. So yeah, it's uh, it's getting pretty exciting. It's exciting times. Indeed, I'm really excited to 
talk about all of these changes. Some good, some debatable, but we'll talk more about that as we get on with the show. And also, I want to welcome our special guest for the evening, Jopa. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure for sure. Dude, it's it's a pleasure to have you on. And you are a streamer. You stream Destiny 2 on Twitch. And you also write for quite a few places like Planet Destiny. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's correct. I... Uh... Mostly write Destiny content for Planet Destiny. I also write other game reviews and stuff elsewhere. And then on, on Twitch, I do quite a bit of Destiny activities, both PvE and PvP. Very awesome. cool. Very cool. Do you have a favorite activity in Destiny that you like to play? Uh, the raids are my favorite. Uh, I can never get enough of them. I enjoy all of the raids in their own way. I also play a lot of Gambit Prime, but honestly, I play pretty much everything from, from day to day. So. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way with the exception of competitive multiplayer. I think with comp, I pretty much grind out for whatever pinnacle weapon they release. And after that, I try to stay away from that as much as possible. But I love all parts of Destiny, whether it be playing raids or Crucible or Gambit. I think that uh, Destiny does a really good job to diversify all the different game types they include in the game to keep everyone playing and having something to do for everyone yeah i agree and uh it's funny you mentioned uh, com competitive because i actually prefer competitive to quick play uh maybe because i'm a glen for punishment but mostly because i like 4v4 a little bit better than i like 6v6 personally really so yeah uh, okay i'm starting to see what he's saying and it's a lot it seems like it's less sweatier now than quick play quick play is like super sweaty now and everything because it's like once you have the pinnacle weapons like there's no reason to play competitive if you don't like say you, you want like to just go into quick play and play with a team of like uh five of your friends and stuff so yeah quick play is a lot more chaotic whereas i feel like in competitive you can make your plays and and push forward right and you don't have to rely as much on like your team and you don't have to be as worried that you're just going to get team shot from everywhere it tends to be more one-on-ones more individual uh you versus one other guardian and then moving on to the next one compared to quick play which i like a little bit better uh survival and countdown are questionable game modes but i still prefer them to the the out and out chaos of quick play although i will say that i, I um as far as uh mayhem is an absolute blast as well. I love diving into mayhem when it's out. So that's just dumb just fun right there. Basically. Yeah, exactly. It's just silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love mayhem. It's so much fun to play mayhem. I was actually grinding out for the quest step to get my, what is that weapon? Uh, Redrix's broadsword and you have to get super kills. So I've been kind of waiting to get that finished up with my, I think void. I'm almost done with that. I kind of, take my time with some of the quest lines in destiny and uh it's gonna be fun whenever that comes back i i always have so much fun playing mayhem so yeah i agree yeah it's a good place so, to test out your supers and things like that too like say some supers don't you don't normally use you can test them out in there and everything too just get them back so frequently yeah so joba 
we're going to put you on the hot seat tonight with our discussion with the Guardians. Go right ahead. And we're going to begin by learning more about Joba because he's been a part of the Destiny community, from my understanding, since the very beginning, correct? You've been playing the game since beta? Yes, beta of D1, correct. Yeah, beta so boys. Beta boy, just like us. So you've been there since All the right, very guys. beginning. There's a tornado warning in our area. It's 8.45 p.m. A tornado warning? Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a storm happening right now outside. It looks pretty... Yeah, pretty intense. <laughs> I didn't realize we were having a storm. <laughs> wow. These are really noise-canceling headsets. They work pretty good. I gotta it's, check the radar, It's guys. a hurricane going on everywhere. In, in Bungie headquarters and in your local <laughs> place. That's great. Well, I hope you're safe, and I hope that uh, nothing bad is going on with the uh, tornado. And uh, yeah, I mean it's really windy here right now, but I'm I'm monitoring it. It's raining. So, like, hard. what do you do if there's a tornado? What's the protocol? Do you like go in the basement? What's go to the lowest level to... of your house, and okay. preferably a basement. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Huh. Interesting. That's, yeah, I've never, some... I've never encountered a tornado. I did get a couple of warnings. I want to say like a couple of weeks ago on my phone, but I just kept going about my day. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's um, they can be pretty serious in places that you know get them more frequently, especially down south. Sorry, I don't mean to derail the podcast, but it's literally what's happening right now. Just got an alert on my phone. So IRL, you can't really plan for these things that's what that's the cool thing about you know recording something you never really know you can only do so much to plan right there are so many factors that are kind of out of your control so totally understandable so let's begin our discussion with the guardians and this week we're going to put jopa on the hot seat we're going to learn a lot more about jopa and the first question that I want to ask you, Jopa, is how did you get started with Destiny? How did you start playing when you found the game during beta? Yeah, so I found the game during the beta with a couple friends of mine that I know in real life. Um, and so my friend kind of said, hey, there's this game that we should play co-op because I hadn't really played a ton of co-op before that. Most of the games I've I'd played Golden Eye like way back in the day, but I hadn't been in that scene a whole lot. And he was kept bugging me to, hey, let's get in, let's try this game. So I tried the beta and I fell in love, kind of from the the beginning, and just the power fantasy, the the sci fi aspect, everything kind of caught me almost immediately. And so since then I've been a avid Destiny player from the beginning, from the beta, just like you guys, and I, I just never looked back. Now, uh, do you come from the Halo franchise as well? Have you played any of the Halo games before Destiny? I have always been a PlayStation guy, so I have not touched a single Halo. Uh, I also haven't played a lot on PC, so no, zero Halo played in my lifetime. Oh, okay. Very interesting. So your primary console is PlayStation 4 right now, correct? Correct. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, we do have the game on PS4 as well, but we've kind of moved so many times. We started on Xbox 
and then we got really frustrated with the Xbox platform. We moved to PS4, and then we got the announcement, I want to say April of 2017, that the game was coming out for PC, and ever since then we were on a mission to build our computers, so we were ready for the Destiny 2 release. Yeah, I know a lot of people were like that. It's just all of my friends are not all of them. The majority of my friends are still on PS4, so that's kind of why I've stayed there for so long. And we'll see what happens. Hopefully, we get cross progression at least once we get um the PlayStation Five or the next release of Destiny. So that's please, what I'm hoping for. Please, oh my God, that's what that I want. Would be really awesome if we got cross save and cross play, even if it's just cross save, right? I mean. I understand crossplay might be a little bit more challenging for them to implement, but even if we just got cross save in the game, I think that would make the game a lot of fun and it would enable people to play with their friends in a much easier way where there's no barrier where you have to grind everything out in the game all over again in order to replay the game with your friends cuz I know we have a couple friends who want to play the game on PC with us, but that has been a pretty big deterrent and it's kind of vice versa for me to go back and play on ps4 because i feel like my character is only 540 on there and i'm not really ready to play any of the raids and i don't have time to have more than three characters so it becomes overly difficult to play if your friends are cross-platform yeah i get that 100 percent yeah yeah there's a silver lining though it looks like that we might be hopefully heading towards a world where we'd be living and with some hopefully some cross save and everything yeah so dauntless just launched on ps4 and xbox and it it was it's completely cross save cross progression across uh pc xbox and playstation Mm -hmm. and it's the first game that's fully launched like that absolutely so i think it's it's definitely a step towards that direction Mm -hmm. really when did that happen? Was that fairly recent? Two days, two days ago. Yep. Okay, so that explains why. And that is available on the Epic Game Store, and it's free to play. Two million dollar question: Is it an Epic Games Store exclusive? That I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I have no. I'm not sure. <laughs> I know they really like doing that exclusivity lately. We've gotten a lot of heat in the video game space about exclusivity especially with borderlands announcing that they're only going to be exclusive with epic for six months until after which point steam will get the game but a lot of people are salty about that i can't i guess you can't blame epic though like for like you know giving these games cross play like right off the bat you know like that's huge and it seems like they have been like at the forefront of cross play and cross save and things like that with Fortnite, and you know they they were telling people like literally it's just a switch you know it just got to hit a switch you know and they had it in the ps4 and xbox they were doing it at one time they were playing each other it was a, i don't know it was probably like an accident that epic actually uh, did that but it was it was there and then that's when playstation kind of made a fuss about it but i don't think playstation's at the liberty to do that anymore we live in a different age, in a different no, era now. Not at all. And they announced a strategic partnership with Xbox, which was kind of huge for them to use the Azure 
platform for all of their cloud computing, and they're going to be sharing, a, a, I guess, technology, Intel, in order to build a better infrastructure. I think this will benefit the players, honestly, and I think that we're moving towards a society where cross-save is kind of becoming a standard. And it, we're not there yet, but it's going to get there in the next few years because the gamers demand the ability to play together. You know, And if it's physically possible, if it's technologically possible to achieve, companies no longer have that liberty to just say, we're going to just try to control where you play your games. Well, look at the games that have died off or, or become so difficult to play because of long uh, matchmaking times and that kind of thing. The more of those types of games that you have cross-play and cross-save, there's just so many benefits that I think ultimately will, will keep these games around. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens with that going forward because I think it's a, a huge step towards uh, getting that where we want it to be. Yeah, I think that's a great point because we see video games, especially online multiplayer video games, you know, once the next game comes out, the player base dwindles down a lot. And for them to allow for people to play together, I think that will enable for easier matchmaking, less wait times, and it's going to help the gaming community, you know, just be able to play the games better in a more robust way. And I think that's all going to benefit the video game industry. And I think Bungie wants that too. Like deep down, I think they want everybody to be able to play together. Yeah. Jason Schreier actually released an article not too long ago about how PlayStation was blocking Bungie from allowing cross save back before Forsaken came out. They wanted to introduce that as a feature, but Sony didn't give them the go ahead. Well, I think now that now that Activision is out of the way, I feel like because Activision has partnerships with Sony, with Call of Duty, and then with with Destiny, I feel like they were probably a big driving force to why we saw Sony PlayStation first content and that kind of thing. So right. now that Activision is out of the way, I wouldn't be surprised if going forward, PlayStation kind of moves away from from being that strict. Because my guess is it was more I had more to do with Activision than Bungie itself. Oh, absolutely. Totally agree on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jopa, how did you get started in the Destiny community? And what what do you do in the community? So, I got started playing with my friend, and then we started on the LFG looking for raid groups. Uh, I ended up joining a, a fairly large clan at the time. And from there, I met. I started meeting content creators and other people who were Sherpas and that kind of thing. I did a little bit of Sherpaing back in the day, but I really didn't like to focus solely on one activity. So I wasn't. I wasn't the best Sherpa, but I was. I knew my way around all the raids. Uh, I did play Trials. I went flawless in Trials and Destiny One. So I was good enough to do those things. So I would always be in and around other good players. And so from there, I just kind of started me more and more Guardians all the time, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on PlayStation. My friends list is ridiculously large by this point. And 
also on on Twitch, I, I've just found so many different guardians. I've just kind of tried to meet as many of them as possible and just game with them. That's really all it is, is just playing, doing raids with friends is one of my my favorite things in all of gaming. So it's something that I, I try to do as much as possible. And I, I tend to always meet new people and make new friends doing it. So I think that's really where what I focus on with Destiny and with my content with uh, when I meet new people. Very cool. Do you have a favorite raid? <laughs> um, Vault of Glass is still will always be my favorite. Good man. It was my first. It was my first experience with raiding in any any gaming situation, and it just took my breath away. Um, I will never forget the encounters. I will never forget the fun I had and the people I raided with. It was just uh, maybe it's nostalgia, but it was that raid will always get me. It is that. And we also just did uh, take a trip down memory lane about a week and a half ago, and we uh, we played the raid. We went and played Vault of Glass with some real buds. We we had to five man it because we couldn't get a six, but we did it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went and did Crotas after that, and we did that five man as well. <laughs> yeah, I like the juxtaposition between Crotas and Vault of Glass because it's obviously Vault is so intricate and difficult with some of the different things you have to do especially how it was when you first were doing it how hard it was to find a, a group that would finish it but how rewarding it was to finish but then then you had uh crota which eventually people were flawless and kind of rolling through no problem and but at the same time like it was easy to get tripped up if you didn't have the right strats for it so i love comparing those two early raids and seeing the difference between them yeah, I think Vault of Glass was such an amazing raid. It was honestly one of a kind. I enjoyed every encounter. It felt challenging. And once you completed that activity, oh man, I I don't think I felt so happy. You know, getting that exotic to drop when I got that Vex class at the end or getting yeah. a Vision of Confluence. And if you think about it, the weapons in the Vault of Glass, very arguably, are some of the best in the entire game. In the entire Fig series. Bringer. Oh my Still god. Still one of the yes. best best guns of all time. Oh man. So many awesome memories. That gun is amazing. If they could like if they could bring back Fatebringer into the game in D2, like I would just I would do anything. I would pay any amount of money for them to bring back the Fatebringer. Well, Luke has hinted at like uh, the whole uh, Guardians make their own fate thing, and uh, you know not everything has been lost in dark corners of time. So we will see. Yeah, and E three is right around the corner, so it's interesting to speculate what we will learn in just a few short weeks after Opulence is released. In what? what where are we at? Like a week and a half away now. Yeah, uh, a little over yeah. a little over a week, like two weeks. Yeah, about a week and a half. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's going to be really exciting, and we have some really interesting things to talk about tonight about opulence. But before we dive into that, I do want to continue our discussion with the guardians with Jopa, and Jopa, you mentioned you were writing for planet destiny primarily and i'm curious how'd you get started with planet destiny they're a pretty well-respected organization in our community so i i'm a part of danfinity's uh 
current meta clan on on PS4. He's an awesome person that I met uh, through the clan. And I actually met him in person last year at Guardian Con, and we started talking. And at the time, I was writing for a couple different sites, just doing basic reviews and, and everything. And so eventually, I just reached out to him and said, hey, I know you're a host on Planet Destiny, uh, the podcast. And I also knew he was on the stream team. I was like, can you put me in touch with Moon Vault, who runs Planet Destiny? And just say, just ask, hey, if you ever need a writer, if you never ever need someone to throw through some thoughts up on the website, let me know. I, I sent her some of my samples and, and it's kind of worked out. I'm a firm believer. And if you don't, uh, if you don't ask, you won't get anything. So I always try to reach out to people, try not to bother them, but, but say, Hey, I'm available if you need something. So it just yeah. kind of worked out well that way. Yeah. It's okay to ask as long as you're respectful about it. And that's how I've been approaching podcasting and what we do in terms of you know getting guests you know if you don't ask you'll never get a yes so the worst thing that can happen is people will say no or they'll just ignore you and if that's the case you move on but the important thing is to not be afraid to go out there and ask and yeah that's that's really awesome and how long have you been writing for planet destiny so I've only with the, been with them a few months now. I, I would say about four or five months. I think I wrote my first article. Uh, it's been a little bit lighter on the news since then, but now obviously everything's starting to come out. So definitely see a lot more from me going going forward with them. Very cool. Yeah, that that's pretty awesome. And were you always a writer? Is that something you've always been passionate about? Yeah, I've written... Um, fiction before uh in the past i also uh probably like five years ago i was writing sports reports like news articles and stuff uh but i transitioned as i transitioned more into gaming in my life and focused on destiny and i started streaming and stuff i started focusing a lot more on on content that i thought felt like i could provide that not a lot of other people do so doing uh, content creation, whether it's making videos or, or streams or whatever, and then also writing about similar types of content. So I can explain my thoughts in multiple ways was important to me. So that's really why I've been doing a lot of both because I, I do enjoy both. And I think it allows me to get my thoughts out fully because sometimes when I'm talking, I'm just kind of, I go from point to point and I don't sit down and think and say, okay, let me jot this down, my bullet points and what I want to get to and everything. So it helps me get everything out there for sure. Definitely. They're very cool, man. Well, that's really awesome. And respect on everything that you've done with Planet Destiny. And congratulations on all of your success in the Destiny community. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And Jopa, what is your favorite Destiny content release that came out? Do you have a favorite DLC or a favorite... Uh, game between vanilla destiny one and two so again nostalgia factor the early destiny one was was awesome because it was so fresh and new but i have to say i really enjoyed the way the content released for forsaken i thought the way the weeks changed with the uh the curse weeks was super fun it, it changed everything up like the the different activities the shattered throne was amazing um the last wish was one is is a really good probably the best raid in d2 in my for me um 
So I would have to say Forsaken is probably the best content, in my opinion, because of how well-rounded it was, how much stuff was in there, and how many different activities were available that I, that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I think the Dreaming City was an absolutely amazing, amazing environment. I think that what they did with the Dreaming City, I think, you know, it... It's the most breathtaking sandbox in the game, in my opinion. I think they did the such dreadnought, a good... The Dreadnought was, was awesome in a different way, and all the secrets that they had to find. It was just dark and brooding and things like that. That's yeah. what was so cool about the Dreadnought. And, but that's the great yeah. thing about Destiny, is you look at those two uh, pinnacle locations and how different they are, but how awesome they each are. I think that's kind yeah. of telling of, of how great destiny can be at its heights yeah one day i just was just like exploring the dreaming city going to all the different locations like it was like my first time there and i was i was just getting lost i was like this how deep does this go like i was just like into one of the temples and everything just going up these big like huge staircase and fighting all these hive and everything and i was just like wow this is amazing you know yep. what, man? I still get lost in Dreaming City sometimes, especially getting to that Shattered Throne area. It still trips mm. me up to this day. It's it's so incredible. I think that the Ascendant challenges that they have are different and unique, and even those uh, different uh, lost sectors. I think they did a really nice job with those as well. And yeah, Forsaken was a in my opinion, one of the best put together pieces of content in Destiny. I think the story progression was just really perfect. And I think from a narrative standpoint, it was the most relatable time in Destiny where I strongly felt like I hated Uldren and I wanted to go get him and kill all the barons and seek out revenge for killing one of my favorite characters in the game. And then yeah, when you 100%. and then when you look deep in the lore, you see that he was manipulated by you know uh, Riven and by the Taken and everything. So I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, you kind of have a little sympathy for him after a while. And now that mm -hmm. he's being revived by pulled pork, and how he's going to play into the storyline going further. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see when are we actually going to learn more about Aldrin? When are we going to see him in the game? So we'll find out soon enough, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Destiny does a great job of teasing for the future. Like you look at the the um the meetings with Mara. You look at the invitations of the nine. Mm -hmm. You just hope sometimes that the payoff comes a little bit sooner. Because I feel like it's all so far in the future that sometimes it can look like, oh, this is something, but it's not really something because when are we going to see payoff? So I really wish that they would do more payoff in each season with a little bit more progression towards that. But other than that, I think I, th I love the long-term storytelling in general. So Yeah, like I said before, they have just so many threads that are running deep in you know the story right now that they could just take it in so many different directions now and everything because you know we're going to have a war with Sabathun at some point we're going to face the pyramid ships you know what are going to be the true darkness that's been hinted at and everything so you know it's interesting where's Variks 
What happened to Varix? Where's Eris? You know, it's like the stranger, yeah, the exo stranger. You know, so who is a fun fact? The exo stranger is played by Lauren Cohen from The Walking Dead. Yep, that's that voice talent. I totally did not realize that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's crazy. And our boy Lenny is uh, Shax. <laughs> now we just need Carl. 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 <laughs> Are you guys into uh, Game of Thrones at all? Never, uh, never seen one. Never I'm a seen huge Game of, Game of Thrones guy. Oh man, what an ending, huh? Without I'm spoiling a huge anything, Dinklage. it's just I'm a like huge Dinklage wow. Guy. <laughs> You're not a huge Dinklage guy. I am a huge Dinklage well, guy. You are. Yeah. Oh, then you would enjoy the ending to the show. It was a major part. Oh. Yeah. Cool. But that's all I'll say. I don't want. I don't want to give it away. I, I, but, yeah, I don't yeah, want to say anything more. But <laughs> it was. It I was tell a, you, you both seen it then. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. It was. Um, a, I, for me, it was a satisfying ending. I know some people went as far as to like protest for them to change the season, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I liked it. I enjoyed how the show ended. I think it was a good way for them to end the show. I. Yeah. It's sad, but you know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I agree that they could have probably could have extended it a little bit, but I think you could say that at any point during the show's run, when you're coming up to the ending, you'll always have people that are like, oh, well, this could have been extended because yeah. it's a great show. Everyone wants to see more of it. I also was satisfied with the ending. Uh, nothing's perfect, but I, I thought it was an amazing time. I actually saw that and then Endgame the same like uh well i saw endgame and then one of the major episodes the same weekend so just the whole the whole time period has been crazy with all these talking about an emotional roller coaster (laughs) the culmination of all these different storylines that i've been paying attention to for years of my life is just coming to an end so it's been it's been interesting i want to get into it like i want to get into marvel like i because i really love like marvel universe and everything i love some of those characters i you know it's trying to find the time to watch those movies i'm, I'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it when they disney they're gonna have the disney thing the disney streaming service yeah and that's when i'm gonna pick it up and i'm gonna watch those marvel movies so i started with uh, my sons my two boys we started watching and we watched together in the theater like this is a tradition of ours every one of the marvel movies this was our like that's cool big thing uh, twice, two, th- maybe three times a year, whenever it was happened, we would go to the movies. Really, the only movies we actually go to, and we've been doing that for so long, it's just like kind of expected at this point. So, well, yeah, I, I'm because of that, we made it our thing, and then we we go to like lunch or something afterwards, and we talk about the movies, and uh, it's it's been a great experience for me to share something I'm really I really enjoy with them, and uh, they've kind of grown to love it as well. Absolutely. Sure. Very cool. And uh, Jopa, out of curiosity, you mentioned that you were a podcaster before. And what was your experience like with podcasting? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's so great to kind of go through and get all your thoughts out for the week on whatever topic you're covering and get guests on that you might not have had had time to, to really get to know. So I love that aspect. I think it's great. It's a, definitely a commitment. So I think anyone getting into it, kudos to you because 
it does it is a commitment because if you're not consistent with it it's never going to get it's never going to grow and get the people listening to to it that you want to so i think that's this is a huge deal to really stay committed and get all the episodes out that's very well said yeah i, I definitely uh, I, uh definitely your sentiments i agree with that because that's kind of like where our podcast is uh you know where we came from and we're consistently getting every episode out there every week now and you know we got a listening base people who actually like the like the content and it's nice when you do a content on a game that you know there's a up there's a weekly update every week you know there's some sort of information every week excuse me i'll be right back yeah i no yeah that's exactly right i think for me you know we just wanted to have a platform where we could talk about the game that we enjoy playing right and we knew that much. I had no idea how much work putting together a podcast would really take. Um, but then when we started doing it, you know, there's several factors. I guess it's a lot of work. You have to stay consistent with it. It takes commitment in terms of showing up and a lot of prep work beforehand and then, you know, getting the show published and all that. So there's there's a lot of cool things involved, but I think that there are some really incredible rewards as well like being able to talk to cool people like yourself right we normally wouldn't really get a chance to talk to people like you and who else do we have on the podcast protheon uh green-eyed music lover uh mm-hmm. dave hunt man we had so many guests now and it, it's it's incredible getting all of these unique perspectives from so many people who enjoy the same thing you do. Yeah. Especially when you don't have a chance to game together because you're on different consoles or you just don't have, like your time doesn't link up because it's hard to commit to getting together consistently and playing with somebody. So getting together for one podcast and then finding somebody else, the next one is is such a, a fun experience because of, of that. And then meeting new people all the time is amazing to me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I've met more people in the Destiny community than any other game that I've ever played. You know, I think I meet new people (coughs) every week still because I try to play raids with a lot of different people because it's just more fun that way. You get to meet new people rather than playing with the same old people. Plus, after a while, you know, People drop off the game sometimes. You know, you have people who maybe play with you in, initially, but then they, you know, get their pinnacle weapon or whatever, and they stop grinding in Destiny. So you find new people to play with all the time. And I think the LFG in Destiny is really, really cool. Like, it's more active than any other game that I ever played. Yeah. Yeah, it's very similar to, like, an MMO in that regard and and on console uh and among shooters you don't see that like at all so i think that's that's a big key and and it's just so i agree on the destiny community every community has its ups and downs but the destiny community in general has been great to me i've met so many amazing people and i continue to do so like you said and i feel like for that reason like i'll always remember destiny as one of the games that has that will hold a special place in my heart regardless of even if I take a break from it, because sometimes it's been going for five years now, yeah. 
there are going to be times when you just there are other games out you want to check out other things but i always come back at some point and i'm i get <laughs> caught up into it i can yeah. go back do old raids do new content so yeah. i agree 100 percent. yeah and i mean i think it makes perfect sense to play other games i mean if you just listen to the idea of playing the same game for five years it sounds kind of retarded right i mean there's so many games out there so yeah it's okay to take breaks it's fine like you should take breaks because then you can appreciate the game more when you come back everything starts to feel fresh again and you create more realistic expectations of the developer rather than trying to come in with the expectation that 12 months out of the year you're going to have new stuff to do game development just doesn't work that way it's it's hard to make video games it takes time so it's not a realistic thing for a company to keep pumping out content 12 months out of the year and be expected to come out with major releases at the end of the second year for example or third year whatever it is with destiny not to mention depending on what type of content you you really enjoy the most for example, if you weren't a fan of De of Gambit, this season might not have been your favorite. But if you really like Gambit, then this season will be one that you really love. So if you take a break during Season of the Drifter because you're not a big Gambit person, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, and now that they've had the Power Surge bounties and stuff like that, catching up has never been easier. Oh, I agree. They definitely learned, you know, from the past you know, in that respect, they are learning with creating power surge bounties, offering ways for players to catch up to where the OG player base is. If you think about it, at the same time, I think that these power surge bounties, they're changing the dynamic of how you level up and the importance of coming into new content being at 700, right? Because... If essentially completing a quest line can get you 10 below 700 that you would otherwise maybe spend 3-4 days grinding to get to, now players will maybe think twice about doing that. Unless you're the hardcore player who is going to go out there and grind and play for that day one raid completion. Yeah, no, I get, I get that. But also, if you want to complete the quest by the end of the season, or the the raid by the end of the season, it helps to be higher power level because you can then start sharpening people who are lower power level through. So I think if you're, it's a good balance. If you're really a Destiny player who's going to play every day anyway, then you don't need the bounties. You're going to be in there playing. But if you lapse, or if you're a casual player who falls behind. I think it's a good catch-up mechanic uh, because even once you get up to the 690 uh, going into next season, you still have a long way to go to get towards some of the other content that's above 700. So it's not yeah. like you get all the way up to 715, 725, and then and then you're at or above level for everything in the new season. So Yeah, it seems like they allow you kind of a free pass to level up once that content is no longer that relevant so it's not as tedious for you to catch up to that new content so uh, i agree now out of curiosity because you've been a destiny player since the very beginning 
How do you feel that the system we have now compares to the system we had in Vanilla Destiny where for you to level up, you had to play that raid, period. If you didn't play the raid, more than likely you would not see that maximum light level and you would not be able to level up your gear because they required Ascendant Shards and then later on Radiant Shards. I like this a little bit better. I, I feel like the problem for me is that it's lost a little bit of the uh, RPG mechanic with leveling up weapons and leveling up uh, your armor. You know what I'm saying? As you increase uh, to unlock different perks. I miss that a little bit. Um, but that being said, I, I don't think the raid should be a requirement. But I think it's... Endgame is a little underwhelming as far as rewards. Like, yeah, you can chase your exotic weapon or whatever is attached to the weapon or whatever is attached to the raid like your anarchy like your 1k voices yeah you can get armor sets but the armor sets don't provide enough of a boon to really chase so what i think it's missing as much as the level factor is some is a reason to get into the raids such as raid specific perks uh certain weapons that are like like the Fatebringer from Volta Class, or weapons that are or Hunger of Crota from, from that raid. Weapons that were really worthwhile chasing, and armor that's really worthwhile chasing, so that way the power, the leveling matters, but the gear matters as much, if not more. And I think that's one thing that's missing a little bit from what they've done in Destiny 2. And I, I hope they introduce a little bit more, like find other creative ways to make the raids important, but also allow like I, I do, power level doesn't matter as much as it did in Destiny One, so I don't think I don't think the new system is ever going to adapt to that as well. Yeah, yeah. it seemed like the weapons were more special in the older raids and everything. Like yeah. they had way more like perks and things like that, and they just oh, they were just so awesome. They were so good. See. I have a slightly different feeling about the whole system we have now versus the system we had before. I think that the system we had before was definitely a lot more RPG focused, right? And it forced you to play the raid because if you didn't play the raid, the raid wasn't going to become easier for you and you wouldn't reach that maximum light level. But it was kind of a double-edged sword because on the other hand, you didn't need to be at that maximum light level for anything other than the raid. So if you were doing a nightfall, as long as you're 20 light level below that maximum light, you were able to enter the nightfall and do all that. So the only restriction you had was really the raid and maybe Trials of Osiris, I wouldn't say. I think that was also where light level was enabled. Yeah, yeah that and, uh, and Iron Banner was in Destiny One. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's and, right. Iron Banner, and also uh, like stuff like Prison of Elders, when but only when they first like the season that they or the DLC when it first came out, uh, it was it was high level. I remember trying to fight Skolas <laughs> when he first came out, and now that dude was a nightmare. Oh my god. Oh man. <laughs> so yep, I think everybody universally feels this way. Like Skolas <laughs> was. But if you look back, it, it was a fun encounter, though. It was... Yeah, no, it was definitely... Yeah. Was it fun on day one? 
I mean, it was almost unbeatable for most people on day one. But dude, yeah. I was I I never sweat so much while playing a game. Like I literally had a towel next to me. It was so sweaty. It was bad. Playing Skolas, I think that it was the best way to put it is punishing. It was very punishing throughout that entire encounter. Whether it was the ads or Skolas or the different boss mechanics. And we're going to talk a little bit more about boss mechanics a little bit later on when we talk about the Whisper of the Worm nerf. And we'll all have some feedback on that, I'm sure. So we're going to talk more about that. But uh, before we do, I do want to continue our conversation with Jopa. And I want to learn more about what you do when you're not playing Destiny. So... Uh, I have, I mentioned earlier, I have kids. I have three of them, so a lot of my time is spent with them. Uh, I actually play a lot of video games with them besides Destiny because none of them play Destiny. I play a little bit of Fortnite, a little bit of Apex, um, those kind of games. I also, uh, they play soccer, so I'm at the soccer field fairly often. We watch a lot of soccer and other sports together. Uh, and besides that, spend time with my wife. We tell we try to go out to uh, breweries or whatever it is, and and have ourselves uh, chill nights as much as possible. But I, I like to grind gaming. But once I'm away from it, I try to enjoy life as much as possible and do as many things. So I'm pretty well rounded. I I think. Yeah, balance yeah. is pretty important because mm-hmm. sometimes, especially in a game like Destiny, you can get really wrapped up in the grind. And we've been yeah. there. Isn't that <laughs> she right, knows on release days that uh, I'm probably going to be at the PlayStation for a long time, but I'll make it up to her. Yeah. And do you like uh, the day one races and everything? Do you like jumping in on day one, like when it comes to the raid? The um, raid and I like jumping in. I, I never really challenged myself to go in and try to... I'm not going for Worlds first. I'm not going for anything like that. Uh, I've completed raids fairly early. But it's not like a, a goal of mine. I just love experiencing the raids for the first time and jumping in, getting my butt kicked a few times, and then pulling back and being like, "All right, now how do we do this?" Because I don't want to beat my head against the wall for the <laughs> for days on end, you know. Um, yeah, that's what it was like for Oryx. I felt like when we first did Oryx and uh, King's Fall raid, like I think it took it took us like two weeks. To like finally finish it. Well, it took me almost two weeks to do it because Oryx was just so punishing. Like, yeah, as a boss. Well, if you think about it, it wasn't so much that it was very punishing. I think that it was more about it was very heavy in mechanics, more so. The mechanics were very punishing, is what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah, it was very challenging in terms of the mechanics. I would say not as much as Wrath of the Machine, though. I think Wrath of the Machine was a bit more technical with the boss encounter. Yeah, I think it depended on on how well you got the the mechanics down and how how good uh friends and teammates you had like your your two or three that main people that you raided with. That's what I always found is that because I was I was playing uh orcs from day one i i kind of got it down pretty quickly and it was punishing but we figured it out once we figured it out it was not too difficult whereas axis was f- harder for me 
to help people get through because because teaching new people what to do in that encounter was a lot more difficult. So you really needed to kind of trust your team a, a bit more in that one. And I, so that's where I would kind of agree that it was just a different level of mechanics heavy. Yeah. See, what was really tough for me was uh, during King's Fall, the daughters, as soon as I, I was the chosen one, do the jumps oh man that was a headache for me because i i'm not a jumping guy man i'm not i'm not into the whole platforming thing like uh especially not as heavy as destiny pushes it in the game so that definitely took me out of my comfort zone quite a bit every time yeah. luke must chosen. be a huge mario fan i'm telling you he's he's gotta be <laughs> see the thing is I've been all right with it. I always had uh, jumping boosters on my... I play on my Titan, and I've always been a pretty good jumper on my Titan. Now, if I were to do that on my Warlock, no thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, the Titan allowed you to just glide to each platform. Like, you know, precision, like, glide yourself and everything, so... Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Jopa, as a up-and-coming content creator... What's your experience like with making content? Is it difficult? Has it been easy? What's your journey been like? Uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun for me. Uh, the, I will say that it's hard to hard to make your own brand and and make sure that you are are doing what you enjoy and coming across with with a unique premise or a unique idea because there's so many people out there doing the same thing that. You want to have an identity when you get into content creation, in my opinion. For me, uh, I had a buddy tell me that that joining my chat was like sitting on a friend's house at 2 o'clock in the morning, super late. You have something to do the next day. You know you should go home and go to bed, but it's just kind of so chill that you just want to keep hanging out. And that's a vibe that I've kind of embraced uh, since he, he kind of mentioned that to me. And just want to make sure that, that, that we're a community that we're all kind of accepting of each other. We're all, we can joke around. Like I can joke with my friends and make fun of them a little bit, but they always know it's all in good fun. And so for me, the hardest part has been creating unique content in doing that as well, doing things that people want to watch, but also want to um, participate in with that. I'm still going to enjoy Cause at the end of the day, if I'm not having a good time with it, it doesn't make sense that I'll keep doing it. Um, so I think those are the hardest parts. Also getting in front of people because there's so many people streaming. You really have to go out of your way to get to know people. Not not uh, People say networking a lot. It's not so much networking as getting Stand to know people. And, yeah, getting to know people, their content, having people remember you. Uh, meeting, honestly, going into Guardian Con was a huge help with that. Because I met so many of the people that, that I really Same. enjoyed watching Same. in person. Mm -hmm. And so I've been to PAX East. I've been to Guardian Con. <laughs> um, and all of those type of activities, they all help me get to know people and, and really learn, uh, okay, this is how I can get better. I've always been big on Twitter uh, as far as I post a lot and I talk to people a lot. I don't hesitate to, to have conversations. So I think that's helped me a lot as well because I already had kind of – the rapport with a lot of people before I started doing the Twitch thing. Yeah. Me and Corin also went to PAX like last year and we met like some of the developers of Devolver and Motion Twin and things like that. And it was really cool. Like talking to those people and everything, you know, like uh, just it, 
engaging with them socially and everything. So Yeah, I was gonna say for me, going to PAX East really kind of lit a fire and it kind of showed me and made me realize how much I love being around video games and how much I care about the video game industry. And it showed me that, you know, I should pursue it and go for it. And a natural way for me to have started that was to do it with podcasting. And that's why we started a podcast and we did. When was when was PAX? That was around I want to say It was April? uh the end of March. For this year was it was the end, the end of March. But last year yeah. it was in April, correct? Yeah, the year prior was oh, April. Yeah. Yeah, big in April. So yeah, we we had a lot of fun at PAX. I can't wait to go back there. It was such an awesome time. We met so many cool people there. We actually got a chance to meet Rami Ishmael and then here we were like three, four weeks ago doing an interview with him on the podcast. It was so surreal. Such a yeah, that's awesome. highlight for me. Yeah, that was really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's all. So have you guys been to Guardian Con? I have. Yep. Okay. I have not. I so, really want to go. The vibes at at Guardian Con compared to PAX East are so different. PAX East is all about meeting developers, uh, people involved in gaming, uh, small games, big games, all that kind of stuff. Some content creators, whereas Guardian Con was just all about meeting content creators in a, such a more relaxed environment. Like I actually, I got to have a 15, 20 minute conversation with Dr. Lupo. Yeah. It was, it was, it was crazy. Like we were just hanging out. It was right out in front of where Guard, uh, Gambit Prime was happening. And we were just, we we're just having a conversation. And then uh, I talked to other people like Fallout Plays and other. Yeah. Uh, I saw life. Fallout Plays. I saw, yeah. Mesa Sean. I talked to Fran Mirabella um, for about yep. 15 minutes um, as well and everything yep. so it, yeah back in 2016 when it's still called destiny con actually. yeah oh man so yeah so that's that's where i uh i've enjoyed going to the different conventions and different places because it's opened up like my eyes to what how everyone is outside of just the streaming how you really can connect with other people i go to all my local uh stream meetups because mm-hmm. you meet so many different people and you can get so many cool ideas going forward from like, oh, this is all, this is something I should be doing that I never thought of. Yeah, I also met Cosmo too, and I got we got Corn a uh, Corn uh, it's Cosmo signature <laughs> for nice. a little gift and everything on a name badge. <laughs> I still have that. Thank you, thank you for that. And and I got I'm pretty... still taller than him too. So <laughs> he is way taller. Yeah. Well, he's like. <laughs> Seven feet tall. If you ever met no, Shadow Price, he's tall. I'm not that, I'm not seven feet. He's practically seven oh, feet tall. The, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm used to it. My cousin is six nine. Now that's um, tall. Now that's tall. <laughs> so he and he was in uh in my wedding. So he was just towering over me. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm only six five, but yeah, six nine. That's a lot taller than six five. Like once you get past like six five, like you go higher than that. Now that's tall. <laughs> my oldest son is uh 14 and he's 16 wow yeah yeah he did not get that from me <laughs> very cool uh, yeah definitely so jopa who inspired you to create content 
So I don't know. I didn't really have a single inspiration. I Danfinity, like I said, I met him uh, last year at Guardian Con, and after joining his current meta group, I kind of got the urge to really get into it a bit more. I had been streaming before that, just because I had friends who had kind of just said, "Hey, uh, you're playing these games anyway. Uh, we want someone in our group to do it," and I already had the camera and a, a PlayStation camera. So it was just kind of my super uh, basic setup. And I just started streaming. And most of the times it was just a couple buddies in there hanging out with me while I was doing so. And they would hang out while, because um, I work from home. So I, I'm pretty flexible with my hours. So I would do it when they were at work or whatever. And so they'd kind of live vicariously through me <laughs> while I was playing. Um and that's kind of where it jumped off. Uh, I've met a lot of people along the way that have inspired me to do things better. But really in the beginning, it was just kind of I, – I, I saw it as an opportunity to uh, keep interacting with friends when I – they couldn't get on. So um, we talked about it before that it's easy for people playing Destiny to kind of fade off at times. And uh, this is a way for us to hang out even if they were playing a different game as well. So – that's kind of where I got started and what I've what I've been doing lately. So, very cool. And last question before we dive into more Destiny: If tomorrow you won a billion dollars, won the lottery, you won the jackpot, what would you do? Well, I um, part of my job is financial advising, so I would invest a lot of it. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I'd probably buy a, buy a house uh, and uh, make sure I had uh, a pretty sweet uh, streaming setup. But other than that, I, I probably wouldn't want to do anything crazy. Take my wife on a, a vacation she would love, and, and that'd be about it. Sounds yeah, really awesome. I would, I would do the same thing. I would probably get like a mansion and a jet and build like a really crazy recording studio and a streaming yeah thing. and invest yeah and invest yeah nothing too exciting but i mean i also like i'm a big as a, you mentioned before i'm a veteran uh, i work closely with uh stackup.org which is a veteran charity awesome i'm a veteran too yeah that's in with gaming um mm -hmm. and so i would probably throw them a, a solid uh donation as well when did you uh oh, go ahead when did I serve? Uh, yeah. When, when? Yeah. What was yours? When did you serve? I was in the army from 2004 to 2008. I was a 27 Delta, which is a paralegal, and I was stationed in Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and then Camp Carroll, Jackson. Nice. Yeah, and then Camp Carroll, Korea. Camp Carroll, nice. Uh, I was uh, in from 1998 to 2002. I was a 51 Romeo, which was an interior electrician. I worked in an engineer unit and everything, and I was stationed at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And gentlemen, on that note, thank you for your service to both of you. Hey. Respect. Just, yeah. Doing that. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, even going through, like, basic training, I can't even imagine something like that. But it's, what you guys are able to do, it's respect. I, Honestly, it's far easier than than it is. 
than you would think. But uh, it's it's all about it's just because you're there for so long. It's just consistency and just kind of one day after another. Yeah. The worst part is you're completely cut off from outside society. That's the weirdest thing. But other than that, it wasn't it wasn't too challenging. Even more so when I was in, like, when I first went in basic training, we had calling cards. There was really no cell phones at that point because I, I went in when I was 98, or in 98, 1998, when I did basic training, so. Yeah, mine was super chill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was an experience, and it, it was a lot of fun, though. Like, yeah, there were days that you just was like, oh, is this ever going to end? But you look back on it, and it's like, yeah, that was an experience. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely changed my life for sure. Hey, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, wow. It was really awesome, Joe Bud, to learn about what you do and how you got started in the Destiny community. And thank you for sharing your awesome story with us. Uh, no problem at all. Yeah. Yeah, we learned how to throw grenades in the Army. Oh, so. that was the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What exotic uh. did you have on? <laughs> Armamentarium. Was, Armamentarium. It, was, Armamentarium. It, was it during the revelry? <laughs> Unfortunately, not. One one nade per person is all. Oh, yeah. Rip. So you couldn't spam nades. Yeah, I, uh, somebody accidentally, um, instead of threw the uh, grenade, they threw the pin. <laughs> when I yeah, was yeah, yeah, people choke all the time. And, uh, oh my god, you should have saw the drill sergeant just like <laughs> <laughs> afterwards. Oh, poor girl, uh, poor girl. Oh, man. Rip. Mm-hmm. So, gentlemen, let's talk about some destiny, and we have a lot to reflect on with this year in destiny since forsaken came out it's been kind of a bumpy bumpy road for uh, bungie since forsaken launched we know that bungie and activision split up so that was a thing we know that we had niobe labs that came out with season of the forges and we also had an entire season of the Drifter that we got a chance to experience with all of its glory. We got to experience pretty much everything on the roadmap thus far leading into Season of Opulence. And I'm curious, what do you guys enjoy the most about the annual pass? For me, it's been the consistency of content. Um, I don't know, everyone loves to talk about the Taken King as a pinnacle um, DLC, which it was, absolutely. But there was such a barren period afterwards that most people forget about. That Destiny was really sustained by PvP and trials and, and the replayability of the raids that were in at the time. There was a large gap between that and Rise of Iron as far as fun content. Um, so for me, having something every single uh, month to look forward to has been great. Especially with some of the uh, the quests, like you look at the Invitations of the Nine that are kind of ongoing, you're like, oh, what what piece of lore is coming next week? What am I looking forward to? Ultimately, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was as impactful as it could have been, but it was still a nice teaser for the future. So I really like that aspect. I love the fact that we have stuff that's kind of ongoing from week to week, which I think can be missing from time to time. 
uh, so there's not as many content drops. Yeah, and I'm gonna like piggyback on what you're saying there. Like Bungie plays on our nostalgia, you know, pretty heavily, and like with that outbreak perfected, like the zero hour mission, like you know what a treat that was and everything, you know, to be able to experience that going back to the old tower and everything and reacquiring the outbreak prime, which is now outbreak perfected and everything like it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun running that mission like being in that old space again uh which is uh all upgraded and new everything so oh yeah that mission has been amazing that and the whisper mission are just uh that's a bungee besides raids that's bungee as as best yeah i think in destiny 2 my three favorite missions would be outbreak perfected with the zero hour mission the Whisper mission, and I would say the Shattered Throne, those three were pinnacle activities for me that really were a highlight with what Bungie is capable of producing with their content. 100%, I agree. Now, for me, the annual pass was... It was okay, right? In no way do I regret my purchase. I think it was well worth the money because I think that I got enough out of it that kept me playing. There were things that were missing from it that I really, really, really wish they had. And honestly, I'll go as far as to say that even if it means this annual past had to be more expensive in order to make this happen, I really wish we had more strikes. I really wish we had more crucible maps along mm-hmm. the way. And I really wish we had a vendor refresh across the board as each season progressed. I think those that those are the three glory, glaring yeah, omissions. Those Absolutely. were three. Those were three things that for me were really missing, and I just felt like, uh, you know, I, I just if you guys added this into the game, it would be a perfect season. And I really wish they find a way to add that little bit of extra to really make the annual pass feel unique and special and really worth it yeah i definitely agree those are i've i've talked about it before and that those are the the things that it's missing the most um even even rehashing old content with say you don't have enough uh you you don't create a strike every single season but say you create a a strike one season the next season uh, you introduce um armor pieces for all the old strikes to chase yeah so now so now you have something something new some reason to go back into that content and then the next season you but that season you also have a new new crucible map so like the variety i think is is what's missing a bit they focus so much on the new activity that comes with it like gambit prime and the reckoning there was so much focus on on that that again it did lack the crucible map it did lack the the strike i think all those things are stuff because the um the strike playlist and the, the crucible playlist are fairly stale at this point they need something to reinvigorate them because there's really besides the um power leveling and besides the pinnacle weapons there's no reason to play them right and you know they have all these spaces like you know from destiny one you know they have all these different maps and like locations that they could like integrate integrate into the game like you know take like rusted lands like bring that map into destiny 2 as a as another new pvp 
map or like like twilight gap or something you know like all this stuff that we have in the game now is all continuation on what was in destiny one so it just why why don't bring the things that they were already there like you know and just put a new polish on it and there there you go some content yeah i think in the long term i think the one mistake that bungie really did make was completely just disregarding everything they made in destiny one and just starting from scratch i think that was kind of a mistake and i don't know how these things work from a technical standpoint because maybe from a technical aspect there were challenges that prevented them from doing this but like destroying the tower you know and all of our guns not really the tower because it's cool if you create a new social space but like just deleting everything that we've worked so hard to acquire. These were all weapons and armor pieces that could have moved on with us. And I don't think it would make the game worse. If anything, it would make the game better, right? Having more stuff to do in the game rather than saying, okay, well, Destiny 2 is out. Destiny 1 is no longer being supported. Iron Banner will no longer be a weekly or a monthly thing and you're no longer going to get trials. I think those were mistakes, you know, because Destiny 1 was a very special game. And if they just added on Destiny 2 to the Destiny 1 experience, I think that would make for a more richer experience with Destiny. So play devil's advocate. The problem was, uh, in my opinion, that they tried to go more competitive um towards like esports like with their their um pvp while also going more casual with some of their gameplay um it now because work. they it, it didn't it didn't work but that's what they were trying to do so mm -hmm. if you would have introduced all of those old exotics in the old slots like that would have taken i feel like so much time and effort to rearrange those and because they went competitive they switched to the 4v4 which again did not work for trials um and so i don't blame them for not bringing that stuff forward because of they overhauled the entire game and they tried to in their in their opinion they were trying to make it better for what the future they thought the future would look like in that gaming sphere it didn't work but I don't blame them for trying because if you just bring everything forward and now everyone's gonna be like, well, why'd you create a sequel in the first place? Why didn't you just continue on with destiny? You know what I'm saying? It's just more of the same. And now you have so many more exotics that you're competing with. And we talked about the, the quests that, that were the best ones so far in destiny. Uh, two of them are the whisper and the outbreak perfected that rely on us going back to old content. So I feel like that's really where it was more, it was probably a challenge for them. And I understand why they did what they did, even though looking back on it, hopefully they learn going forward that that's gotta, they've got to do things differently next time. I think they need to embrace the loot. They, they need more of it. Like, that's why I was like kind of agreeing with Corin. It's like, you know, bring all these other, you know, bring all this stuff like into the game, you know, it's like, I know it's hard to create new loot and it's create loot as special as it was in D1 and everything because some of that stuff was just amazing. But, you know, it was always in our, uh, in our loadouts and everything. But guys, th think about this because I totally understand where you guys are coming from with this. And I totally understand the point that Jopa is making here. But like, what if they 
instead of just saying we're going to give you a sequel said okay we're going to add destiny 2 into destiny 1 and now in order for you to get all the higher level stuff you can play the vault of glass raid that's a new you know destiny 2 vault of glass where you can go back to the past and maybe it would be too much work for them you know maybe that's something that would create a more expensive game than they were able to realistically create because if you think about it destiny one was pretty massive right so for them to just go and recreate everything and add it into destiny two and on top of that create all that content for pc maybe that's just not a realistic thing from a development standpoint right yeah i think they were also short on time uh, from what i everything i read as far as um they were trying to we've talked about this uh, they're trying to juggle current content keeping the servers up along with uh brand new content that with the new game and so i just i um my guess is that they just would not have had time or the budget for all to bring all of that forward and then it would have been so much it would have been a huge headache to bring all the weapons forward and play test all these old weapons in with the new weapons as well um when everything's in brand new slots so i think that's really where again they they took a leap and and it didn't work out but i don't necessarily blame them for taking the leap i just think they they moved in a, a direction that wasn't the right one and that happens in gaming sometimes and now i i'm hoping that they're moving back in the direction that you know that they envisioned in the first place like the what they really wanted out of destiny and everything before Activision came in. And everything. Sounds like we'll hear about that soon, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're going to talk about the weekly update in the next segment right after this. Uh, so we'll talk a lot more about that on the podcast here. But um, for you guys, would you say that you guys got enough content in Destiny 2 Forsaken? Uh, or I rather should say after forsaken with the annual pass with season of the forge and season of the drifter for the price i would say yeah i mean because we still have opulence coming and i'm i'm thinking that's going to be the best of all the three actually yeah like i think if you if you look at it and and you were to kind of count like yes we were missing strikes but we we got um we did get the final hour quest we got uh, the forges, which were a fun activity, I feel like they could bring that forward somehow. Uh, the guns were were solid in that. We've gotten we're gonna have two raids if they continue with the six player uh, match made activity in season of opulence as well. I think if you look at it in totality, there will be a lot of content. It's hard because everyone has such a focus on the now that when you look at it, you're like, okay, well at launch on the new season i only get this and this but you have to look at we got a thorn quest we got a last word quest we got um arbalist quest arbalist like all this all these different quests and stuff that are, that were involved that i think it's worthwhile now would it be better if they switched to a free to play model from that i don't know but i think it's worth it in my opinion when you after opulence is all said and done i think we'll look back and say yeah, that was definitely worth the with the price tag for sure. And we have Solstice of Heroes too, right? In like late July again as well. So yeah, I would I have to agree with uh, Joe Pop here and everything too. Like 
if you take a look at it from the whole as a whole perspective, um, I think, yeah, I think it was worth the money. Yeah, I think from a value proposition standpoint, it definitely was worth it because if you look at the overall picture of everything that we got, you know, we got four different forges, we got two raids, two raids, we got Niobe Labs, you know, we're going to have new content that we haven't even seen yet. We already had multiple exotic quest lines, we got the zero hour mission, we got quite a bit Gambit Prime. I think was an excellent activity, the reckoning. So overall, now there the, was quite a bit there. To the justify. only downside is if you don't like Gambit, like like that that would have been tough for yeah. somebody who didn't like Gambit. Yeah, yeah like it that. was. If well, you didn't like Gambit, it was probably this a season, season was not that your wasn't season. as plentiful yeah. for you. But I honestly enjoyed Gambit a lot. I had a lot of yeah. fun in Gambit, and I still enjoy playing it. I'm almost done with my dredge and grind. I literally have to do uh, two more Army of One medals, which is kind of hard to do because I'm not really an invader. So it's a stretch for me to get a bunch of kills invading, especially kill all of the enemies on the opposing team. So still working and on delirium's that. Delirium's a lot of fun too. Like I really like. Oh, the delirium. delirium is great. Oh my god, I, uh, you get so much ammo with it. <laughs> I'm a big Gambit player, and I have been since since guardian con last year uh i was dredging super early on um i'm actually i have all but one of the gear sets done for the uh, gambit prime uh, notorious sets mm -hmm. and so for me it's been super rewarding i do enjoy the loop of going from gambit prime to reckoning um and i like that there were uh weapons tied to the reckoning so even if you didn't really care about the armor pieces you could still grind for the weapons um in the reckoning and not even have to touch gambit prime besides the one in the beginning of the season so at least you had something to do but i do agree if you weren't a gambit player it would have been a tough season yeah now overall. let's not also forget the invitations of the nine that too. they did a really nice job with and i think they're continuing to progress the storyline in a very meaningful way yeah and good lore with the allegiance quest and everything too yeah the only thing I can say about Invitations of the Nine is I wish that they were all just different things for you to do each week rather than you doing the same grind to get a story unlocked. Yeah, I wish they would have done something different with the way yeah that went through it. It'd be nice if it, it, you could got the story throughout that instead of just going killing these enemies and then you get like the lore and the cutscene. Yeah, I think that's the way though that they they can yeah not make it too much make them have to develop too much new content uh but still tell a story right. so you you play one of the old strikes because you have to do a strike in every one of the weeks um that's true so you play one of the strikes that maybe you haven't played a lot of strikes this season or whatever play a specific strike i mean by the time you're done with the strike you only have to kill so many odd enemies it's not a ton um and then you get the lore so it's not like it's not like when you had to unlock the forges that was Oh my a God. silly grind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so, just so. At least it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. The Izanami one. Oh my God. And just one thing that was kind of a problem for me with the annual pass overall across the board was the fact that the progression system doesn't quite respect your time. And we saw that especially with 
the forges. Not only did you have to go to Ada 1 and go back and forth and all that, it, it just was not fun. It was fun the first couple times, but I can't imagine the people who have their Reckoner uh, seal, how much grind they had to go through. And it's like, I wonder to myself, is this a fun grind or is it a tedious grind where it feels like you're almost being punished, right? Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I think it's it's a trick that a lot of, especially always online games play, to get you to play as much to to grind old content and play it as much as possible and so you're it seems like you're playing the game for a lot longer than what the new content kind of shows which i think is a necessity at some point but going back to ada and back and forth and some of the things you had to do for those i will agree 100 percent that it was just a waste of time like that could yeah. have been streamlined so much better it, it was it almost felt like they put that whole system in there to prolong your experience playing that content rather than to try to keep things fun and interesting which is why you're playing video games to begin with so in some ways i think that from a game design standpoint something was lost for me with the annual pass that i feel like they could have done differently oh one example that really comes up that that was very striking for me was how season of the forges started and it was like ada one saying you can't access this content then you can access this content and it begins without any kind of backstory without anything meaningful and there's some really good lore in season of the drifter or not season of the drifter well season of the drifter also but season of the forges but I think that the way that it's locked in the game, it will prohibit a lot of players from experiencing that content in the way that they would like to experience it. There's another example that's already still in the game is when you get the notorious engrams or the right engrams or whatever, the Eververse engrams, and you go back to it and you have to turn them into tests. Well, that's an opportunity for you to spend some money there and everything. So I feel like that was implemented at some point. Too yeah. During the, but then... The thing with those, you can stack like 10 of them. So it really doesn't. That's true. Like, yeah. You don't have to go back every time you snag one. Mm -hmm. uh, like a prime engram, you want to go back when you're less than 700. You want to go but back. But you're still in the tower, though. You're still in the yeah. tower. And there's still the well, opportunity I, to go over whatever. And, and I, I don't blame them for that. But I do think <laughs> yeah. that um, at the end of the day, we've seen this from the beginning of Destiny in in more subtle ways. Um, where you're always going to have to be replaying content. You're always going to be having to go back to old places like when they do a quest, but it's reversed. We saw it with the oh Vault of Glass. They did that remember, so much in the beginning. Remember yeah. with the Vault of Glass, there was yeah. a quest uh, where you go back in, but reversing. Reverse, uh, yeah. yeah. So I think that's something that they're going to do forever because one, people like enjoy nostalgia, but also two, there's only so many, so much they can create. So sometimes you have to get creative with um, what you're doing, and mm. I, I think I think for that reason, I understand it. Even if it can be a little bit frustrating, uh, the travel back and forth the tower can be uh, can be obnoxious at times. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes the grind it, it is what it is. It's it, in a looter shooter in an online persistence in the world. There's only so much content you can create at any given time. So sometimes you have to artificially prolong that. That's probably an Activision feel, thing. 
I'm sure. Feel longer, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I just think that's that's part of the way these games work. Every game like this that I've seen, uh, Borderlands has fetch quests that you go back to the same place numerous times. Um, you look at The Division has it, Anthem had it. Like All these games have a similar type of thing just because there's only so much fresh stuff you can put in there. Oh my god, me and Corey at any time grinded the Lincoln Tunnel like for five, six hours so I could get to level thirty in the division. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that was definitely a grind. And you know, I think for me, there's a lot of things that Destiny does really well, and I think that the Destiny community is very critical of the game a lot of times. My myself included. I think that I can be very passionate about the game as well, right? Because we've played this game for so long. We've been playing since beta, so we want the game to be better. You know, we want the game to feel more lively with more things to do, and we want everything feeling fresh. So it's going to be an interesting balance to see how they are able to maintain this, especially going into Season of Opulence with a new raid. We're also getting a new six-person match-made activity that hasn't really been revealed yet. And we'll have some new loot to chase as well. And it looks like they're going to have something for us to do right when the new content drops before we even would consider to play that raid. Yeah, I hope it has stuff to tie it in with uh, some of the story, like whatever they're telling in uh, the season. So that's kind of cool that they're getting us to interact with it and saying that, no, you don't have to grind like this day one, you know, we're going to have this in place where, you know, it's going to be beneficial for you to have to do this because you have to do it to play the raid and everything. So, yeah. And we're going to talk about that next, but before we dive into this week's Bungie weekly update and the new season of opulence, I do want to briefly talk about some salt and more <laughs> specifically some nerf salt that was released with last week's Bungie Weekly update. We did learn that Whisper of the Worms and other notable exotics will be getting a nerf and fundamentally changed in how they work. And the community seems kind of mixed about it, right? We have a good part of the community that feels like these changes are not only justified, but they're also necessary. And then we have players in the community who feel like it's almost a slap in the face that their favorite weapons are getting nerfed. And not only their favorite weapons, but pinnacle weapons like Luna's Howl and Not Forgotten, which we can all agree that those are probably the most difficult items to obtain in the game right now. Besides Mountaintop, I stand corrected. Mountaintop probably would be more challenging. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of uh, fall on both sides of the fence with the, the, the nurse. I think Whisper is something that I've not used a ton lately because I enjoy variety. So I like mixing it up. But and and the whisper quest is so fun that I I don't like seeing it nerfed, but I also like seeing the sandbox changed. I like when a new season hits and we get to try new weapons. Like this season, uh, Lord of Wolves came out of nowhere and was a lot of fun. 
I love I love that. I love that new weapons become your favorites, new armors become your favorites. As far as Not Forgotten and Lunas Howl, I have Lunas Howl. It is a gun that is unmatched as a hand cannon besides Not Forgotten and now kind of the service revolver a little bit, but not it's just stands out. Um as far as a hand cannon in Destiny. Now on PC apparently it's different. Apparently on PC uh Ace of Spades is is quite a bit better. Oh, it's easier to use than on console. On console That's Ace true. of Spades is is not a competitor. The largest part of the player base is on PS4. Not forgotten in the Luna's house. There were people paying four, five, eight hundred dollars for their not forgotten because PvP was so challenging without it. People just wanted to go in and play with it. And so, like, people would charge that much money and pay that much money to obtain the weapon. Um, So for that reason, anytime a gun stands out, and they showed some of the usage rates, anytime guns stand out that high, uh, especially in PvP, it, it's a problem, and I don't mind the nerf. There's only so much that they can buff things to match mm-hmm. other things before everything gets ridiculously overpowered. Power creep. Yeah, the power creep just uh I forget who it was. I think it was uh Slarage uh put out an awesome video with showcasing how the power creep had progressively gotten and now it was unfortunate but Bungie needed to rein that in. They announced that there're going to be some buffs next week. Uh Cosmo did on Twitter, so I think that As I predicted that I I assumed that was going to happen, so that means that it, they're going to level the playing field. Just because they buff things doesn't mean uh, everything's going to all of a sudden be super average, and there's no fun weapons or armor to use. I think we'll see just a change in the guard. We saw it this season during Arc Week, where all these Arc supers were buffed, and now my Striker Titan is awesome. Like using Bottom Tree, I can clear ads for days, and I like seeing that. Uh, things get buffed, things get nerfed a little bit just to modify. Everyone hates the nerf uh, term, but I think it's just it's just balancing things to make make uh, metas shift from time to time to keep the game fresh. Keep the game fresh to to keep things like from getting stale and everything. You know, it's like it's nice to change things up, like in a, in, a, in a looter shooter. You know, it's nice to be able to use things that you know you may have not like used before because you thought like they weren't powerful enough or anything like that you know it's like it's nice to get a fresh outlook on things and you know and i feel like that bungie like you said like some of these guns were getting a lot out of control and everything with uh how powerful they were and they became the only option and everything in some instances especially on console like you said with not forgotten and Luna's howl because of the bloom so it's so terrible on there and uh, the inner accuracy and everything. So, um, but uh, I do agree with uh, some of these things that they're doing because, but you know, it you gotta be able to. People gotta adapt, you know, at some point and everything. You know, it's like you know you want to use the same loadout. A lot of people want to are just so stuck in their ways. They want to use the same things over and over again. You know, but that can lead to you know just like a stale kind of game after a while. You know, it's just like you're doing the same thing, you use the same loadout, and you just you need a little variety. You know, variety is a spice of life. So here's my thoughts on this, guys, because I somewhat agree with you on certain aspects. 
I am a firm believer that Bungie is responsible for balancing the game. And if certain things in the game are causing the game to break or to create a game that isn't properly balanced and isn't fun, then they should change it. They should fix it. I think it's their responsibility to do that. And you can't be mad at them for trying to make the game better. My problem comes in when they knowingly put things into the game that would be game-breaking, like the Whisper, right, the weapon. Because I am a strong believer that if the Whisper came out without that, what, without that super special perk, everybody wouldn't be grinding for it. People wouldn't be so involved in it. Or things like Luna's Hell and Not Forgotten. By nerfing those pinnacle weapons that they ask you to invest the most amount of time grinding for, I think what that could do is that could betray the trust between the player and the developer. In a sense wow. that if you ask me to chase after something and then you fundamentally change it months or whatever later, will that affect how I grind out for the next pinnacle weapon that you introduce into the game? right and i feel that if they if they knew that this weapon was going to be so powerful then they shouldn't have put it into the game to begin with but it's a bad precedence when you give somebody something and then you just take it away they're not taking the whole weapon away they're just taking away something that makes it game breaking basically you know like when they introduced um black spindle back in the taken king the secret mission to get black spindle it was with the white nail perk, like, you know, modified, like it will be an opulence where it's not going to pull from reserves or it's not going to, you know, it's not going to pull ammo out of thin air. It's going to pull from your magazine and everything. Was Black you know, Spindle yeah. as popular as Black Hammer? Uh, yeah, eventually it became. <laughs> it did. People well, used, I, used... I feel like that's the thing that people fail to realize ultimately is they're not like he was saying, they're not getting rid of the gun. So yeah, the gun may fall out of favor for still a season or two. It's going to be very powerful. It's still going to be very strong. It may fall out of favor for a little bit, but it'll yeah. probably come back. So say you're a fan of one of the guns that next week we find out is getting a buff. Now all of a sudden, your favorite is back. And then it's good, I think, for guns to go up and down like this. because So that way they have their time to shine. Like Right now, Outbreak Perfected is ridiculously strong. Especially in PV, PvE against bosses. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You can melt Gambit, Primevals, you can melt Raid bosses, all that kind of stuff. It'll probably get toned down two, three seasons from now. It'll have its time to shine, and then it'll kind of fall back a little bit. But then probably a couple seasons after that, it'll come back into the forefront. Because that's just the way Destiny works. Destiny's at its best when the new weapons come in, they shine for a bit, then they kind of tail off, but then they come back and all of a sudden you're like, wow, they buff scout rifles. So all of a sudden I want to use the Jade Rabbit and the Mida. And, I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, what if they buff Mida? What if they like Mida gets a, a big buff you know, so, to its damage and everything like that? That's where I think that's being so frustrated by it. I understand it because you don't want to see your favorite guns get toned down. But if you've, if you've been paying attention to the lifestyle, life cycle of Destiny... 
This has happened from day one of Destiny, mm-hmm. and it will always happen as they try to balance the game, bring new guns to the forefront, keep power from being so ridiculous that people are coasting through Jeez, all their activities. Things, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, that'll lead to you kind of cycling weapons in and out. Every season should feel like, okay, these are the weapons that I really love this season, and then next season that'll change. That's just my opinion on on when Destiny is at its best, when when you don't know from season to season which gun is going to be a monster, and, and then they come out of nowhere, and you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't think about this. And that's where I think the catalysts fall a little bit short, and I wish they were a little bit better, because that would, I feel like, be the perfect opportunity to take some of the old exotics, give them a really cool catalyst, and make them the new meta, and then they'll fade a little bit, and then you the the forsaken exotics get their catalysts make them the new meta and then it's it's a a constant cycle of old exotics really becoming in favor as opposed to there's just some that we just haven't used in a year in, yeah. in over a year now no i think you yeah, made some really good points with that yeah i uh especially the armor like graviton forfeit and um you know like uh foe tracer and lucky pants what do you guys think of your trick sleeves (laughs) what do you guys think of this what if bungie is able to enhance your end game grind by creating predictable quests that grant you catalysts because if you think about it i i think just playing strikes over and over again to maybe get a catalyst i mean it's just kind of boring i almost wish that they had a predictable grind that i had to do that was really challenging almost like the grind you would have to go through to to get a seal right where let's say you have to play you know a hundred leviathan raids in order to get a specific catalyst oh my god right. i would never can get you, that catalyst can you imagine <laughs> uh, yeah. but well or, just an example or having it be something like the um the pinnacle weapon quests right yeah where you have yeah. say you have a uh, jade rabbit catalyst and you have to get the the kills in crucible you have to win so many crucible matches or the the accuracy had been you, you do you get leviathan completions but you also get kills on the leviathan with the accuracy something Wait, like that yeah. to kind of include it all together to so you're using the weapon to try to get the catalyst you're getting the kill still, but it has to do with a specific activity instead of just a random drop. And I feel like, like you said, that's the the hardest part because you could grind. I, I mean, I've been playing Crucible um, every season since the Catalyst dropped. I still don't have all the ones that were released in the beginning. Yeah, and I still don't have Mida me, Catalyst. Yeah, I don't have Mida either. So that's that's kind of crazy to me. And I agree, just just like the the best thing about the forges, as much as the, the back and forth was frustrating, is you knew when you did a forge quest which weapon you were getting. You didn't know which role you were getting, but at least at the end of the quest, you knew, I am getting this specific weapon. So I'll take my chances on getting that role. Now, I wish more of Destiny was like that, where at the end, I knew exactly what I was getting. Uh, I love random drops. But I also think for like like the exotics should drop randomly, uh, except for the exotic weapon quest. But having the catalyst should be a specific one, like you said. Yeah, totally agree. I think that would be 
really a positive change to the game that I hope they consider introducing with future updates. And who knows, maybe they'll make an announcement next week for Season of Opulence. How does the Mita Catalyst even drop? Is that from PvP? Yeah, I think you had to win. I think it's PvP, but I think it's higher drop weight in comp. I don't know for sure, though. That thing has got to be the rarest catalyst because I've I, never, I've never seen it drop like for anybody. <laughs> I've reached fabled a couple times, and uh, yeah, in uh, competitive, and I, I haven't seen it drop. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting how they have it all set up now, and I think there's a lot of potential they have with catalysts, not only catalysts but even like ornaments because. Think back to Halo Reach when they had that Flaming Skull, you know, I mean, these are all things that they could introduce into the game. And I understand they also have to monetize somehow in between all of the content releases. So it's going to be interesting to see how they balance everything, especially with what we're going to talk about next during the Bungie Weekly Update or this week at Bungie. See, I'm old school. I still call it the Bungie Weekly Update, but you know what? Yeah, same. It was done by Deej this week, so it's appropriate to go old school, right? Absolutely. So I guess that's a good segue, right? Do you guys have any other thoughts on the Destiny experience or No, I was the only thing I would add is the Reverie did it right with the the ornaments being available, but not being able to keep them after the event was probably the biggest downfall of that of that event. So no one wanted to grind for it. If more activities had custom like uh, glows and ornaments and stuff like that significantly more players would play them yeah especially like they had in the raids and everything like when you back in d1 when you used to go play crota and you know all the raids and you got the ornaments from doing them and everything and it looks yeah. so cool in your character 100 yep. yeah and the, the last thing i'm going to say about you know destiny annual pass and just comparing destiny 2 to destiny 1 i enjoyed destiny 2 it wasn't as special as destiny 1 because in destiny 1 that was kind of our first experience with the destiny universe everything was fresh the vault of glass raid was the first raid and it was like the most unpredictable experience we had where we just didn't know what we were going to experience next we didn't know there wasn't any kind of foundation that was laid for us to follow I think Destiny 2 had a lot of shoes to fill with Destiny 1 as an overall collection because as a complete collection, I mean, it was a pretty remarkable compilation of content that we got in the game. Far more substantial than arguably what we got with any previous Halo game with DLC. If you take Destiny 1 with all of its content, I think it's more than what we got in Halo, in any Halo game. Yeah, because Halo mm-hmm. like pretty much thrived off the PvP. The PvP was yeah. pretty much the bread and butter. Now, I think Destiny 2 did some things very special to me. Like being able to experience Destiny in high frame rates in 1440p, or being able to play in 4K60, that's pretty remarkable as... An accomplishment for them and and if you look at the destiny 2 story i think they did a great job with that too i think it it could have been better yeah but it wasn't that bad i think they did a pretty good job with it it's just it had a very 
big shoe to have to fill with Destiny. It started 1. off really strong. Uh, you had a feeling of loss when you lost your light and everything like that. You know, but you got it back so fast because it was all, that 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 I felt was a mistake. I think we should have went longer without our light and things like that. And yeah. then I felt like it fell apart but towards the when the speaker fell off his thing and supposedly died when he fell. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, with, with Forsaken, I think they corrected a lot of wrongs with Destiny 2. And they really added a substantial amount of content into the game where it almost felt like an entire game to me, at least. It felt as significant if not more significant than destiny 2 you know i think that it did a lot of amazing things for the franchise and it literally brought so many people back and the annual pass maintained that gameplay for me it it allowed me to continue to play and give me new things to do to a point where even today i feel like i'm not fully caught up with season of the drifter like i still have things to do i mean Shit, if you want to get technical, I still haven't beat Niobe Labs, so technically, I still have stuff to do from two seasons ago, and that's today. So I think Destiny 2 did a lot of things really well, and I'm really excited to see where the game goes into the next season with Season of Opulence. And this week's Bungie Weekly Update talks a little bit more about Season of Opulence and what we can expect with the new content. So I guess it's a good segue, right, to talk about that. Yeah, I think so. So let's talk about the Bungie Weekly update. And we know that the stage is set for Season of Opulence. It will be starting on June 4th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 10 a.m. Pacific Time, depending on where you are located in the world. And Bungie revealed some new information about the new raid. And that was actually the announcement that we got before the weekly update. Uh, I know people have been asking for a more fair raid race. So now seeing that um, they're going to try to balance and limit power levels and limit the power grinding beforehand is it seemed well received. I think it's never going to be a perfectly even playing field. But getting it as close to even as possible should be a goal if you're going to give away prizes like raid jackets, uh, world's first, raid um, belts, all that kind of stuff. So I, I like the direction they're going with it. Yeah, you don't have to do a like a painstakingly like crazy grind like right before it starts. You can just play and play the quests that they have laid out for you that you have to play anyways to get into the raid and just enjoy it until you get to that seven o'clock hour on the East Coast. Yeah, and uh, Luke Smith actually put out an article right before the weekly update came out. It was titled World's First Update, Crown of Sorrow. And let's talk about some of these things that were in this update. And in this update, Luke Smith stated the following. When we were building Vault of Glass in 2013, the notion that our raids would launch a competition around the world's first in Destiny was only a dream. The me from 2013 certainly didn't imagine we have the opportunity to make the sweet championship belts and jackets for champions 
and competitors. It's been an incredible multi-year run. Bosses have fallen off ledges. I remember that. Uh, sword bearers have been clutch. Giant foes have created jaw-dropping moments, and the list could go on and on. With Crown of Sorrows, we hope to add more memories for to your Destiny raid. World's first race in Destiny are attempting to deliver the following experiences. One, power progression that challenges raiders to climb to compete for world's first. Two, to showcase team communication, game strategy, and player skill. And three, to create a watchable and fair world's first race. And Luke Smith goes on to talk about some of the things that will be changing with the new Crown of Sorrows raid that will be launching on June 4th. And he stated the following. One, while the contest is active, players will face an enforced challenge throughout the raid. This means power beyond certain levels will provide no advantage for a given fight. For example, for the first fight, all power above 700 will not provide an advantage. And for the final fight, power above 720 will not provide an advantage. Uh, secondly, they are going to deploy the update at 8 o'clock in the morning Pacific Standard Time, and the game will be down until 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, so that as many players as possible can get through the download and verification step and be ready for Opulence launch. So these are some pretty interesting changes. Now I should note, after 24 hours, this contest mode will be disabled and the original power raid relationship will be back to its usual functionality. So, wow, what do you guys think about these changes? I think they're very, very good. You know, this, this is something that was within Bungie's uh, capability of doing. This is something I'm sure they thought hard, long and hard about, like the people that were going in day one and it being a competition and, you know, being a contest for Worlds First. They knew how much it meant to them and, you know, how much it means to players out there to actually do it. And they wanted to make sure that they do it, did it right. And this is what they came up with. And I think this was a great idea. Yeah, I think we saw too many people trying to grind and hoard uh get close to your next reset on activities or or i mean save bounties and all this kind of ridiculous stuff to get raid ready as well as um just kind of grinding uh knowing that the grind would be so heavy once the content launched so you wouldn't actually get to enjoy any of the activities when the new season drops so the fact that they changed that, I think, is a huge update, and I think it'll make everyone kind of de-stress a little bit going into the new content because no one has to uh, over-grind in order to get raid ready, and I, I think it's nothing but a good thing. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because it is going to create a more leveled playing field for anyone who's trying to chase after that world's first title or that day one completion because this will be active for the first 24 hours of the game being out now 
I do think that because the final boss fight will be at 720, there are some pretty interesting things that we can gather from that. But also we know that, you know, for that final encounter, for you to beat that raid, there will be an advantage for you to have that higher light level. And if it is possible for you to be at, let's say, 710 entering the first encounter, even if you're capped at 700, you know that will give you a benefit and the drop that you get from that activity will drop at a higher light level so eventually it's going to be less daunting to complete the raid in the end yeah it's interesting how like that's going to play out and everything i guess we're going to find out yeah that day. i just think it feels less daunting like it, it just seems like it's not going to be like you don't have yeah. to because I was looking at people trying to get to 7.30, 7.35, day one, and it just seems like insane to, to really have to go to those lengths just to try to try to beat the raid first, you know? Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, players will go out of their way to do a lot for Destiny. And uh, it's a game that a lot of people are passionate about, you know, and it's it's almost become like this event, right, for that world's first race. Almost like a Super Bowl. I mean, it's not like the Super Bowl, obviously, it's just the video the game. Bowl. <laughs> yeah, right. But it became like this event where everybody can participate in. It's it's interesting that they're trying to keep it more fair by disabling Last Wish Raid and Scourge of the Past Raid and trying to make it where you can't really gain that advantage, you know. And it also makes you wonder if the raid boss is going to be at 720, what's going to be next? What's going to be after that? Are we going to also get a prestige mode maybe that will have a 730 or 740 light level? Because... The max level this season, or the upcoming season, will be 750, yeah, if I'm not right. mistaken, correct? Yes. So that means there's more to grind for after that 720. So unless it's normal mode and prestige mode, it's going to be interesting to see what gets you to that maximum that light six, level. Uh, player matchmade activity. Yep, 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 yep. Six player matchmade activity. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Do you guys think they would do a prestige mode for this next raid? I don't know. They said they weren't doing that anymore, but who knows if they were. Did they confirm that? Uh, my for, guess for is this, that uh, at least for this one, season? it will be similar to the the Last Wish and Scourge, where they'll have special bonus, special emblems or rewards for getting flawless, but no prestige mode. Yeah. They might go back to it like in the fall when they introduce them. With the Bungie Weekly update, we did learn something about Benedict 99, and I'm not talking about omelets here or eggs. <laughs> we know that we saw on the cover of the weekly update the face of none other than Shadow Price's favorite raid boss, Callus. <laughs> so. In some way, we might be either fighting Callus or somebody from his 
arsenal of uh, bosses, right? We're buddies, though, aren't we? Aren't we? Aren't we pals? <laughs> well, we'll find out. You're going to the Leviathan. I mean, it could be that you're going to be now working with Callus to maybe save the Leviathan from whoever is taking it over, and we can use our imagination for that. I don't know, and I'm only speculating. I don't know any official information about what Bungie will be coming out next, but I'm pretty sure with next week's uh, This Week at Bungie or Bungie Weekly Update where we're going to get more about the upcoming season of opulence or i would say as early yeah. as tuesday honestly yeah, tuesday. Yeah. my uh my pipe dream for that yeah. would be uh, uh or Vidoc. Yeah, yeah my pipe Vidoc. dream for it would be uh someone f- who's ever taken over the dreadnought uh is attacking the leviathan so callus sends us on a mission to slay some something someone in the the dreadnought so we get a, a dreadnought um raid and uh because that was next on the um what was it the, the remember the end screen mm-hmm. at the beginning of destiny 2 where it showed a, which is basically yeah, a showed the flashes yeah. uh, they've mm-hmm. gone away from it a little bit i mean but we've been everywhere else but for the dreadnought so all i'm saying is i would love to see if not this season then obviously when september whenever whatever i think we're going back yeah. in september yeah i think we're going to dread that in september I think this is going to be a dark Leviathan. Like, it's going to be in shadows. Like, there's going to be a lot of different things happening on the Leviathan, I'm sure, in this way. Um, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, and, and I mean, are we going to the Dreadnought to, to play the No, raid, I think we're going, we going to Leviathan. To Pretty sure we're going to Leviathan. I don't know. See, the, the question I have is that the, the reason that the raid layers were not received really well was because they uh, were back on the Leviathan. Everyone was like, oh, we're back on the Leviathan again. Even though the encounters felt different, um, especially Argos is such a different experience compared to uh, the regular Leviathan. But people were still like not thrilled to be on the Leviathan for three of the different raid content. So I could see them starting us on the Leviathan but taking somewhere else. I could see that. Hmm. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's going to be in shadows, I think. Like, there's going to be a lot, like, how the space is going to, the space will change. I believe the the way that it's going to look, it's going to be darkened and shadowed. Like, they've already teased it and everything in some of the images. Yeah, I think that it would be practical for them to maybe go back to Leviathan, you know, from a design standpoint, from a development standpoint, not having to take the time to create a whole new space and reuse the Leviathan. But imagine if the Leviathan was like taken kind of like how if you go to the Dreaming City, right, half of it is very bright and and like very vivid with colors. And then part of the Dreaming City is very dark and just by the harbinger very secluded. Like, there's a lot of taken presence over yeah there. it's it's very like mystical yeah. and very just dark and gritty and evil so i think we might see something similar happening with the leviathan here if we do go back to leviathan i think it's going to look very different than what we were used to right it's going to probably require more jumping and 
the Leviathan's a pretty big place, right? They could do a lot with that whole environment, maybe add new bosses, right? Imagine if they could go back to Leviathan and make it better and make it with a bunch of awesome different bosses and make it super different where it feels very unique, right? I think that people wouldn't be too upset about that. And it would take less effort for them to put something out like this. And I'm thinking for an in-between piece of content, they wouldn't build a whole new environment. But then again, Scourge of the Past was an entire new place, right? So I could be very wrong here. I think there's going to be an oh shit moment for this <laughs> raid. For sure. I hope so, man. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. man. Yeah. That would be pretty great. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting where we go in just a few short weeks and what we get to experience in the fall, right? Because I think we're going to learn a lot more in the, in the coming weeks because we have Season of Opulence launching so soon. And then shortly thereafter, we have E3. So I'm sure Bungie will have something to say at E3 and something to show off for the future of Destiny going into the fall and beyond. Yeah. Now, there were also a couple of changes made to several different things that are in the season currently, including the power surge bounties. And now, instead of bounties, you'll have to complete a quest line that increases your light level and drops armor and weapons at 690. And... It's also really interesting that you only have to complete this once on one character in order to unlock the higher level stuff for all of your characters. And that's how they're doing the power surge um, increase in the new season. But not only that, you have to complete this power surge quest in order to even enter the new raid. Which I found that pretty interesting. Yeah. What if yeah. what if the power yeah. search quest is is the story quest to start it? Like it's that it could be That's very similar and that way it jumps you into the new season yeah. and it gets people leveled up to where they can actually participate in the new season. So it kind of kills two birds with one stone there. Yeah, this, this, yeah, exactly. It's solving a problem basically for people who aren't like leveled up. And everything that's going to get yeah. them to 690 once they yeah say someone that. skipped the season of the drifter because there was no raid and they're a big raid person now you can still jump in and and try to level up quick enough to to get ready for the raid yeah that's so like i said solving a problem basically yeah, I think that's a really interesting way for them to have handled that. And I think it does work if you think about it. It makes perfect sense. Rather than having to do something extra, you can just play through the quest line that introduces the new raid, and then you can go and play that. So that'll be pretty interesting. And also, based on the quest lines that we've gotten in the past, and we know that there's going to be a six-hour window to get from you know, playing, starting the new content to actually getting into the raid, I predict it's going to be no more than maybe like a one hour mission. So it's not going to take yeah, up agree. that much time. 
Now, we also have some changes that are being made to Gambit bounties. The power boost from the Drifter slash Gambit will be decreasing in power light, and you'll get a further decrease once you hit light level 720. Yeah. Well, I so think that's pretty um, interesting. in general that with Gambit, there's so many ways to level up. You've got your bounties, and you can do your bounties, which are powerful gear, and your weekly rewards, which are powerful gear, um, for regular Gambit and Gambit Prime. So you can knock all those out and get, like, five different powerful rewards just on one character. So I think, um, I think that makes sense overall, because there's so many ways to get it, that toning that down for next season that isn't focused on Gambit is not going to be a big deal. You can still get a bunch of rewards just for playing Gambit or Gambit Prime. Yeah, they want you interacting with the new content and everything, I'm sure. Well, it's just like yeah. now if you do, when you would do the uh, Shattered Throne during Forsaken, you'd get plus 10 boosts, and now you're getting plus 1 to 2. So... Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like they're shifting the balance of the game forward so that the new activities are going to give you the maximum gain in light level increase. Now, also, speaking of light level increase, we know that prime attunements are being adjusted as well for day one. You're, you will only be able to obtain two charges for each player, not per character per account. And it was intended to allow players to enter their to enter the raid with their favorite characters without impacting their power grind. So we also know that the Crown of Sorrows raid will be starting out at 700 for the first encounter, and for the final encounter, it's going to cap out at 720, correct? Well, that's what yes. your maximum power is. I don't know if they said, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the first encounter oh, yeah, is yeah, actually oh, 710 yeah. and the last encounter is 730 because typically uh, the the raids are, yeah, are overpowered for what your recommended power would be. So that's I wouldn't be surprised if, if your, capped, your power is capped at 700, but the actual raid starts at 710 and then it boosts by 10 over what your power cap will be. Yeah. That makes sense, actually, yeah. So, do you guys think for them to set up the raids this way, this will eliminate people from, like, hoarding bounties, or do you think that's still going to be a viable way for people to grind and get ready for this I think this people still content? will grind for the bounties just because they want every advantage possible. Uh, I think it'll just have less of an impact, which I think is good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to it won't have as impact on day one. It, it will be after that first day once they reactivate the leveling advantages as far as the raid goes and your power level and everything. Yeah, it it almost ensures that even if you you know are able to level up your character substantially, you're not going to be so overpowered that you're going to melt that new raid. It's gonna, still going to be challenging. And yeah, I think it would make perfect sense for them to 
make the raid a plus 10 light above what your light level is in order to maintain that difficulty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we know that the update will be deployed at 8, 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and the game will be unavailable until 10 a.m. Pacific Time. So it seems like the new update will be launching on the day of the raid. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Do you guys think it's kind of risky, especially for the console players who might run into some issues with servers potentially and like the that. problem is anytime uh content is released early people data mine and release information early so i think it's it's just as risky to release it beforehand because people will get in there and you can find out the rewards link uh release all that all that kind of stuff so for that reason i don't mind it and i'm glad that they blocked off those two hours so that people on console can download if you start downloading at eight o'clock, you will be ready at launch mm -hmm. instead of allowing people who like mm -hmm. on PC, uh, once one o'clock hits, you're ready to go. Whereas before in destiny, I would always have to wait a half hour, 45 minutes after reset before I could play the new activity. Cause that's when my, my PlayStation would finish downloading everything. Yep. Yeah, I guess I guess the concern about this for me, and I totally understand the point with data mining because that's a very valid point. I think that I would be kind of worried about if I were playing on console, especially the queue times, right? If too many people are trying to log on to the server, you might have to wait. And <laughs> I don't know if you guys played games on day one with Destiny new with Destiny content. But when, when that content new launches, oh man, it can be very shaky. Remember those you know, queue times so during Rise of Iron? Things, yeah, things can go wrong. And imagine if there's queue times, oh man, it's going to really mess things up for those yeah. trying to chase I, after that day one. I definitely one. understand that. Um, the difference is, uh, for me, Destiny 2 and then I think uh, Destiny 1, they launched at midnight. So people were not at work. Whereas this, this release is middle of the day on a Tuesday. Uh, as far as um, the queue times since the launch of Destiny 1, for all the subsequent DLC and releases, even Forsaken, I haven't had any issues personally. So that's why I'm less concerned with that and more concerned with the load times. So that two-hour window is better for me. Yeah. Now, if we run into that, I probably will be a little salty, uh -huh. but I it's not something I'm terribly concerned with because I haven't seen that issue in well over a year and a half. And it's not going to take you seven, six hours to play through that, yeah, exactly. that power surge quest and everything, too. Like, once you're done That's with that, true. then you can just do whatever, you know, until, like, Raid is ready to launch and stuff. So, you know, it's, you have a window exactly. of time. Yeah, that's, those are, those are very well thought out points. I think that you guys are absolutely right. You know, on the one hand, you have the issue of data mining and being spoiled on what content's being dropped. On the other hand, you have potential technical issues that could prevent people from playing the game on time. But it sounds like you're only going to be prohibited with one quest line in order to access the new content. So it should be a fairly evil, a fairly even playing field with that. Mm -hmm. So 
now that we talked about the Crown of Sorrows raid, let's talk about Eververse. And we're going to get some new updates to the system with how you can purchase microtransactions and different loot in the game. And uh, for Season of Opulence, direct purchase items will now be available across the board, where all items in Season of Opulence will be available via silver or bright dust. Limited time purchases with weekly resets on items will be made available, so there will be a weekly rotation on some of the items that you're able to obtain from Eververse for that week. Now, we also know that they will be introducing something called the Greatest Hits. And Shadow Price is going to be pretty excited about that, isn't that right, Shadow Price? Yeah, yeah, there's some uh, stuff I didn't get in year one as far as the uh, those engrams go. Yeah, and you'll be able to pick up year one legacy loot that you didn't get a chance to acquire during the first year of Destiny 2, and it will be made available again. Are there any items that you guys are going to be trying to chase after? I didn't get the salty emote, and I didn't get the mic drop emote. Like, those are the ones I kind of want. I'll have to look through. I think bit. I had everything that I wanted, uh, but I'm sure there's stuff that I've missed that I'll have to go back. <laughs> oh, I didn't get the chair flip. I, have, I didn't get the chair I have flip all of those, by the way. I wanted that one. Um, <laughs> or the um, table flip. It was a table, I'll have to right? Look not a chair. And see, but I'm sure there's stuff I missed that once I see it, I'll be like, "Oh man, I really want this, and this is this is super cool." <clears throat> yeah, the salty emote I am also missing on PC, so I will be grinding out for that. And I'm pretty sure I have most of the other. Uh, items from year one, but I'll have to double check on my account. But I know the salty emote is one that I'm going to be trying to get. And we also learned about some new armor sets that will be made available through different bundles that uh, will be launching with the new Season of Opulence. So that's going to be a really interesting change as well in the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because yeah, I think... Yeah. The more direct paths you have to acquiring anything, whether it's Eververse items or in-game items, the better. So if you can have direct purchase items and less like loot boxes and and everything like that, I think that's just going to be better for the game in general. It's a better way to go about yeah, no, it for sure. Yeah. Totally agree. I I don't like the idea that you can just buy. A thousand engrams and maybe you'll get what you want maybe you won't right that it just i think it's a bad way to monetize and i'm really happy to see bungie finally abandon the engram model where you're just buying a chance at getting something and i think it's a good call on their part and also i should note they're also changing the ui where just the interface is going to look no, it's, it's, it's very clean. different it's really clean you know? i like it yeah updated yeah, and I think modern. it's a much needed improvement for them and it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Eververse and what ways they come up with monetization as they go into the fall expansion because I'm sure they have 800 people working at Bungie and 
it costs a lot of money to make games, so it's going to be interesting to see how they come up with new ways to monetize on that. No, exactly. So, guys, we are finally at that point where we get to rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls before we wrap up the show. Should we talk about the wrapped, how they're going to be wrapped when you purchase yeah. them? Oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. They're going to come in a wrapped state, like, when you purchase it. And then you have to, if you want, you know, when, if you want to use it and everything, you have to open it. And then you you have the option if, to do to return it as long as it's still in the wrapped state up to seven days from the purchase. Yeah, I love once the items I, I open, that can't idea. be uh, Prevent accidental purchases, kind of keep you from uh, yourself almost accidentally mm-hmm. getting something you don't actually want. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think these are all positive changes that Bungie is introducing to the game. I think uh, this week's update will be much more favorable than last week's, um, at least for me. And uh, yeah, there's and I want you guys. And I want to read this last part actually right after the movie of the week. Um, Deej goes out to say he closes this out at the end. And he said, uh, "These are some of the game changers you'll discover when season of opulence begins. But we have even more to show next week. We're already working on a preview of new pinnacle weapons." We've also seen a preview of the new raid jacket that is totally awesome. With the finer points for the systemic changes on the table, we can next turn our attention to reviewing the places you'll go and the reasons you'll fight. Right now, our focus is on opulence, but after the season has launched and raid belts have been awarded, we'll be looking deeper into the future and sharing with you more about a new era for Bungie and Destiny 2. Buckle up and stay tuned. Yeah, to be honest, that's my favorite part of this week's TWAB. Um, And it it has me excited to see what uh, they have in store. That also combined with Cosmo's tweet about next week's TWAB having Pinnacle Weapon preview, Sandbox buffs, and more info. I think between those two, uh, this TWAB may not have had all the buff information that I I was hoping for. But it ended on such a positive note. It's got to be a good one. So. Yeah, they're basically like this is a direct tease that they're gonna be saying something probably at E three as exactly. far as the future of Destiny goes. Like what we're gonna be doing in the fall in Destiny too. Yeah, that's extremely significant. The fact that he talks about a new era. era a new era for in Bungie. Destiny. I mean, yes, when have exi- they ever oh had God. a new era? That's, that's exciting. a pretty big statement. Yeah, that um, is so exciting. Very rare for, for them it. to say that. So, yeah. so, what do you guys think a new era in Destiny could look like? I think it's it's probably uh, a lack of of sequels and just uh, going on to a, a single ongoing game, whether that's the current game, Destiny 2, more likely it's Destiny 3, and then you just ride it out and just keep updating it and go from there. That's what my guess would be. Yeah, just more RPG-focused uh, elements in the game, more more of everything, you know? It's like, it. I don't want to speculate too much because I don't want to, like, <laughs> set too many yeah. expectations or anything like that, but I'm really 
excited and optimistic to see where exactly. the game is going to be headed. Yeah, it's it's exciting because I think that personally, I think that this could mean that we're going to get a destiny that is more inclusive rather than the opposite. I think that Destiny 3 will be a pretty substantial game, but I don't think it's going to release without Destiny 2 part of it. I think it's going to be a more inclusive experience. Last week, Bungie referred to the Destiny experience. Today, they they revealed that we're going to be learning about a new era once the new belts are awarded. So when will that happen? Well... Naturally, that means that they will be completed by the 5th of June, right? So what is the next logical step for them to make a big announcement? Well, it's going to be E3, Mm -hmm. right? And what could they announce at E3? Well, whatever's coming next. So I think we're going to learn a lot more, maybe not about Destiny 3, but we're going to learn about the next annual pass at the very least or the next content that will be coming out in the fall and i think this will be the beginning of a destiny that is more inclusive with its content and with its yeah things to do in the game a bungee controlled destiny yeah so a lot of things to speculate a lot of things to be excited about and on that note, gentlemen, we're going to rate this week's Bungie Weekly Update in the form of spicy tuna rolls. And um, Jopa, you want to go first? We can give it up to five. One to five spicy tuna rolls, one being it's poopy and five being it was incredible. I am going to give this one uh, personally a three. I thought it was solid. It had some good content. It had less actual information than I was hoping for as far as opulence besides the raid stuff. Um, But it had, especially there was a lot of Eververse in there, but it had the tease at the end, which has me super excited. I think next week is going to be the five, though. What did you give it again? I'm sorry. What was that score? A three. three. Okay, gotcha. I'm going to go ahead and give it a four. Because of, you know, just like you said, the things that they had in there. And, like, they didn't have the buffs this week. But that's coming next week. So we can get excited for that. But this this whole statement at the end, this last paragraph, was this, this was hype-inducing. Like, I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. You know, so I'd give it a four. I'm going to give this update a 4.5 out of 5. And this is why. <laughs> that's the one up no and let me let me explain why because normally actually i rate the updates below what you do i don't normally rate them higher but i'm gonna rate it higher this time let me ask you this did you know i was gonna go for did you know i was um, gonna go for between four and five i kind of figured he would probably go somewhere in that vicinity but i'm gonna give it a 4.5 and here's why I'm gonna give it a four. I'm gonna give it a four point five because I think the changes they are making to the Eververse system is pretty significant and very positive. Yeah, that UI is that, something they can't do overnight for sure. Yeah, the UI was really well put together. 
I think that the changes they are making to the new raid are going to benefit the raid. It's going to benefit the experience. And I think that it's not easy to create a leveled playing field in a game like Destiny when you start playing the game. And I think that they're doing a really good job with that in these announcements they're making. It was really cool for Luke Smith to come out right before the update to write an entire letter to the community That's about true. those changes. That's true. And also, I think that the new way that they're making the Power Surge uh, quest line work and the the way that, you know, they're pretty transparent about all of these changes and all of these things, I think it, it was a pretty good update for me. And on on the one hand, maybe I could have expected a little bit more in terms of, you know, news about the new season. But at the same time, you want to be surprised, right? And honestly, I would rather learn about the new season on a Tuesday and watching a really cool Vidoc versus getting it in a weekly update. Right. I'd rather learn all the details in the weekly update following that announcement. Yeah, that makes sense. Look at those rainbow flavored emotes too. And or I'm uh, not emotes, but engrams. They're uh, engrams, they're pretty yeah. snazzy. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so gentlemen, it is that time. We are at the end of the show and my goodness, we made it through the Hashtag ups and downs through all of the little issues that came up but my goodness we did it and thank you for our listeners thank you so much for listening to the podcast thank you for following us on social media and for all of the support we really appreciate you and we cannot wait to share a lot more cool stuff that will be coming to the Destiny Show podcast in the month of June. We have some really exciting guests lined up for you all that we'll be sharing in just a little bit. We're going to try to make a big announcement about that next week, so stay tuned for that. And thank you very much for tuning in. And before we end the show for the night, Jopa, where can we learn all more about you? Uh, Twitter, Twitch... YouTube, everything about me is on uh, my my same username. It's Jopar Writes, J O P A W R I T E S. Um, same username across all platforms. Awesome, and we're gonna have a link to all of your social platforms and where we can learn more about you between your Twitch and your YouTube. We're gonna put the links in the show notes so our listeners can find you and all of your awesome content. And Shadow Price, where can we learn more about you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I leave semi-funny tweets time to time at uh, ShadowPrice79. And on Twitch at twitch.tv slash IamShadowPrice. Cool, cool. And you can find the Destiny Show podcast on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Podbean, and the list goes on. You can also check us out on the web at www.destinyshow.com and you can follow us on Twitter at The Destiny Show. You can learn more about me at OMG Cornholio on Twitter or you can follow me on Twitch or 
find me on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash I am Cornholio. And on that note, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the Destiny Show podcast. We will be back next week with Super Metal Dave 64, and we're going to talk about our E3 predictions next week. And we cannot wait to share more exciting guests with you for the month of June, including CJ Gibson from IGN's Fireteam Chat. So thank you so much for tuning in for another episode, and we'll see you next week. Keep grinding, Guardians. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Have you ever wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology, and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are dragon breaks, how does Chim work, where did the Dwemer go, and more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening, and catch you later in the grey maybe of Tamriel. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.